Well, hello everyone. Today is September 2nd, 2021. My name is Byron Howell and this is the Byron Howell Ministries podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today we are going to continue our series on healing. Last time we took a hard look at what God's Word says about healing and concluded that the Bible shows that healing is always God's will. God calls Himself the God who heals. God healed people before the earthly ministry of Jesus. God healed people during the earthly ministry of Jesus. And God continues to heal people after the early earthly ministry of Jesus. Excuse me. Really, the Bible is crystal clear about God's power and desire to heal. However, and unfortunately, not everyone believes what the Bible says. There is only so much we can do about that, but we must decide that we believe what the Bible says. You know, it never ceases to amaze me how Christians don't let the Bible get in the way of what they believe. And honestly, few things bother me more than hearing a Christian say that he believes something that clearly disagrees with the Bible. Now, I remember the first time I encountered this problem. This is actually a, kind of an interesting problem that we don't realize at first, but just how many Christians believe things that don't line up with the Word. Prominent Christians teaching things that don't line up with the Word. It's disgraceful. But anyway, I remember the first time that I encountered this problem and really recognized it. And the, I was speaking with my beloved grandfather. Now, this is about 15 years ago. He's since gone home to be with the Lord. He was a Christian all his life, or all of my life at least. And uh, and I was a young Christian at this time, and I was excited about the Word. And for various reasons, I spent a lot of time with my grandfather. But I was sitting at the table in his kitchen one day, and we were talking about when Jesus healed the ten lepers. Now, I made a particular point uh, when we were looking at this miracle, and the point that I made was really verbatim from the Bible. I was just pointing out something that was very interesting that is specifically said in the Bible. But my grandfather says, well, I don't believe that. And it really struck me, and honestly, I didn't know what to say, because it just it didn't even compute with my brain. Here I am, I'm getting on fire for the Word of God. I'm getting on excited about the Word. I'm, I, I believe everything the Word says. And here I've just read him something that, that, and he says, well, I don't believe that. How could, how could you think that way? How could you not believe what the Bible says? What's wrong with you? I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking at the time. But, you know, he's saying that he doesn't believe something the Bible specifically says and I realize now that's actually quite common in the world today. And see, my grandfather was a great guy. I mean, he really was. I, I love him, loved him very much. But let's not be like that. Most Christians, most reasonable Christians, wouldn't express such a blatant disagreement with what God's Word says verbatim. But the church at large sure teaches a lot of things that don't line up with the Bible. And for a variety of reasons, the church at large does not believe that healing is God's will all the time, every time, for everyone. And that's the biblical truth, but a lot of people don't believe that. Now, honestly, it's the fault of some prominent church leaders down through history that have, that have uh, really adulterated the truth about God's healing desire and power. But anyway... 
So today we're going to spend a few minutes debunking the most common arguments against God's power and desire to heal. And then we are going to take last week's lesson a step further and show you that healing is not only God's will for your life, but it already belongs to you. So let's start by looking at these arguments against healing. Now first, let's recognize that most non-Christians do not believe in divine healing, at least not the way we're discussing it here. And that should come as no surprise. Unbelievers don't believe. That's just the way it is. But for us, it doesn't matter what non-Christians think about divine healing. And that includes doctors, friends, family that you may encounter on your journey. You tell people you're trusting Jesus uh, and they say, well, you better trust the doctor, too. Or you better find some medicine to trust or or whatever. Right. People. I remember one time my stepmom, who's a devout Christian, uh, she she was telling this uh, ski instructor about how she fell and had to call on Jesus. And he said, well, you know, a fall like that, maybe that necessitates the second call. And he meant to say, you know, you should probably call a doctor. But that's just a point. He was being, you know, respectful and nice and all of that. But look, the world at large people that aren't Christians, they don't believe in divine healing. And whether a lot of Christians don't really believe in it either. Very sad. But so my point is, you know, when we talk about non-Christians who do not believe in divine healing, and if you find yourself in any kind of protracted healing journey, you're going to encounter these people. Uh, but truthfully, we're not asking these people what they think about divine healing. And we don't care what they think. And, you know, and... And we are asking God and his word what they think about divine healing. And interestingly, uh, divine healing is still available to non-Christians. The Bible is clear about that, but we won't go into that right now. However, if you hear a non-Christian arguing against your faith for healing in any way, or telling you all about what they don't believe, don't be surprised. Don't let it influence your thinking or your faith in the slightest. Just walk in love, thank them for their opinion, and don't discuss your medical situation with them again. You know, unless they're one of your doctors. For whatever reason, you found yourself with a doctor that, you know, clearly doesn't believe in divine healing. That that can get tricky, and we're going to talk about the interaction between divine healing and working with doctors uh, before this series is over. We won't get it in today, but the bottom line is you encounter someone that doesn't believe in divine healing, doesn't matter what they think. Who cares what they think? Do not let them water down your faith or influence you at all. Your testimony of divine healing is going to be a, a great discussion point with them in the future. But so that was, that was you know, just a short uh, discussion on non-Christians that don't believe in divine healing. Okay, no surprise. We're not worried about it. Let's just move on. But sadly, many Christians also don't believe in divine healing. And this needs more discussion here because it's very possible you're going to encounter some of these Christians on your healing journey. If you're sick and you ask some Christians whether God wants you healed, you will probably encounter a variety of answers. First of all, there are some Christians who believe that God is not concerned or getting involved in such affairs at this time. That's different from the whole miracles have passed away argument. We'll come back to that. These are just Christians saying, ah, you know, God, God doesn't get involved or God doesn't care or something like that. 
That's kind of a rare opinion, but there are some people out there. But for, let's just go ahead. This is an unbiblical statement and can be immediately dismissed. If you need healing and someone shares that idea with you that God's not going to get involved or he's not concerned, you're talking to the wrong person. Just walk in love. Thank you them for their opinion. Don't discuss your medical situation with them again. And just as a quick point, if you're believing God for divine healing and the situation is serious in the slightest, only listen to the right people. Don't don't be around the wrong people that don't have faith for healing or, you know, that tell you God may have a purpose in this or caused this or punished you. Don't be around those people. Don't discuss your healing with them. I don't care who they are. They could be your family, your spouse, doesn't matter. They have the wrong opinion. They don't have the right faith for your healing then they're not invited into your healing discussion. Maybe that sounds harsh, but look, this is where your healing we're talking about here. But look, Psalms 139.17 says, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. All right, that's interesting. God has so many thoughts about you that they are innumerable. That's what the Bible says. Not a million thoughts, not a billion thoughts about you innumerable but then jesus says in luke 12 7 indeed the very hairs of your head are all numbered and he's saying that in the context of how important we are to god so look at this the fascinating juxtaposition of these verses these verses illustrate that god is concerned with every aspect of our lives innumerable thoughts about us, but he's also concerned with every aspect of our physical bodies contained within God's innumerable thoughts about us are his numbering of the very hairs on our head. And and that shows us God's complete concern for our lives and our physical bodies. You see, God does care. God does want to be involved. And in this series, we're going to learn how to involve God correctly in your healing journey. Now, other Christians believe that any true healing miracles, and really any miracles other than salvation, passed away with the last apostle. Uh, or that, you know, miracles have passed away generally. I've been told that that idea originated with Calvin and Calvinism. I don't know that for a fact. Doesn't matter. Unbiblical. All right. That can be immediately dismissed. And and let's just also agree that there are prominent people out there in the Christian world today that teach this. And what a sad, sad state of affairs. Anyway, dismiss them. Don't ever listen to them again. It's certainly not about healing. That's for sure. See, that position directly com- conflicts with Jesus' words in Mark sixteen fourteen through 18. We looked at that last time, but that's talking about, you know, these signs will follow them that believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. He, he, Jesus was talking to the apostles about the people that would believe through their ministry. So imagine, just for a second, imagine you lived, you know, around the year 100 and you're a young Christian and you got saved through Peter's ministry and now you're laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover, okay? 
And because that's exactly what did happen in the early church. And that's exactly what Jesus said would happen. So you're seeing miracles, you're ministering, but then all of a sudden it doesn't work anymore. Right now, you, 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 on Monday, you had 500 people in the meeting get healed of every single type of ailment, just like we see in the Bible. No surprise whatsoever. You're not surprised. You've seen thousands of miracles. And Monday is a day like no other filled with miraculous healings. Boom. Tuesday, you have another 500 people show up in the meeting and not a single person gets healed. And, and you, you're talking to God. And you say, well, well, geez, God, I don't understand, right? Monday's meeting was great. Tuesday's meeting was, was bad. Well, and you know what God says? Well, you know, uh, sure enough, uh, the last apostle happened to, to die last night. I don't know who it was, but let's, you know, John, John, John finally died on Patmos last night. And therefore, this healing stuff is not going to work anymore, right? It was really only for the period of their physical life don't minister healing anymore. Don't pray for anybody anymore. Don't lay hands on anybody anymore. John died last night. It's over. God didn't say that. That never happened. How stupid does that sound? I mean, what a ridiculous idea. But that's what these people teach. That's what these people believe. This also, in addition to it contradicting Mark 16, 14 through 18, it directly contradicts James chapter 5, 14 through 15, which teaches us that elders are capable of healing prayers, not just apostles. Uh, in James, it says, is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. They'll anoint him with oil. The prayer of faith will save the sick. We don't need an apostle. We just need an elder. And, uh, you know, who were all these elders? There were many, many, many elders in the different churches that were established in the Bible, in the book of Acts, in the early church. And you, so you didn't need an apostle, you just needed an elder. So anyway, uh, as we're going to see, you don't need elders or apostles or anyone with any kind of title other than believer to receive divine healing. But my point is that the Bible directly contradicts this erroneous teaching that healing miracles passed away with the last apostle. Again, you hear anybody spouting that garbage, don't argue with them, don't discuss your medical situation with them, just bring them your healing testimony later. Excuse me one second, you get a hit of coffee here. Now, other Christians, <clears throat> usually well-meaning, will say that God can heal, but it's part of his sovereign will as to whether God will heal you. So he can but the question is, will he? And let me briefly mention that Kenneth Hagin used to say, Kenneth Hagin, great man of God, has gone home to be with the Lord. He said that questioning God's desire to heal is a bigger insult to God than questioning his power. That God fundamentally doesn't mind. He, he doesn't have an ego problem. He doesn't mind you questioning his power. That's not a true affront to his character. But questioning his desire to heal you is a question as to his love and his character. So questioning his will 
is a greater affront to God than questioning his power. Now, look, that's not a biblical analysis, but I think it's a great point. And I'm not going to question God's will to do anything good for me. When I look at what he's already done, sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin so I can be the righteousness of God and spend eternity in heaven, never going to get better than that. So if God did that for me, I know he only wants good things for my life. And that's exactly what the Bible teaches. But anyway, so these Christians will say, look, God can heal, but you don't know. You, you just pray and hope. This is probably the most widely held belief on healing in the Christian world. My guess is you brought a 100 Christians of all denominations together. That would be the most common statement that he does sometimes. I mean, certainly, you know, Catholics, uh Presbyterians, as far as I know, I mean, all sorts of denominations believe that, yes, on occasion, people receive a miraculous healing, but you really don't know if it's going to be you. Uh, this is, just like the other arguments, an unbiblical statement. It's unbiblical to think that God may or may not want you healed. However, it's tough to get too upset about the fact that people believe this. You see, pretty much all Christians have seen countless sick people. Uh, most of us have seen people tragically die long before their time. And if you believe that God controls every detail of the universe according to his will, then you cannot simultaneously believe that God wants everyone healed because sick people are everywhere. You see, most churches teach and most Christians think that God controls everything like that. So, you know, if on the one hand you're saying God controls everything and the whole of the universe works according to God's, you know, constant will down to the great minutia of, you know, the ant walking across the sidewalk right now, you can't simultaneously believe God wants everybody healed because there's so many sick people. So, uh, <clears throat> Because of that, we understand, hey, a lot of Christians have a hard time believing that God wants everybody healed. The truth is that God does want everyone healed, but the divine healing comes the way the Bible says it comes. All right? God is not controlling every aspect of the universe, and God is not controlling every aspect of your healing. This is the great lie that God is controlling everything constantly healing doesn't come automatically just because god wants you healed healing doesn't come because god sovereignly decides to release his healing blessings on someone but not others and i just want to mention i despise any teaching that suggests god answers one person's prayer for healing but not another person's that god wants some people sick and some people healed. That's wrong. That's unbiblical. You know, the fact is that, and this, this, this is the fact. This is what you've got to understand. That the Bible is clear. God wants everyone healed. But divine healing comes when you do what the Bible says to do to receive divine healing. And it will come every single time when you seek it according to the Bible's directions. You see, people are so funny when they think, when it comes to thinking about God's sovereign will. You see, people think 
that we have free will, but then they also formulate much of their worldview based on the idea that God controls everything. But see, the interesting truth is that a few minor tweaks in the understanding of God's sovereignty will lead us much closer to the truth. You see, to keep it simple, okay, just for this discussion, we can agree, I'll, I'll stipulate, I'll agree, that God is sovereign and he does whatever he wants. However, he does not want to exercise that sovereign power constantly and down to the minutiae of every single action of every single thing. That is unbiblical. That is not what the Bible shows. Rather, in God's sovereign will, he created the world, the kingdom of God, his word, and all of the relevant systems and structures. He fundamentally put in a framework. And it's inside of these that we live and have our free will. Many things are available and many things are God's will, but they are not automatic. And God doesn't just sovereignly decide for different things to happen in your life. You see, this is an extremely important point to understand for many areas of your life and big time for healing. We need to learn the truth about God's sovereignty so we can take the actions and authority needed to see God's best in every area of our lives. And not just hope, it's his plan for us. You see, salvation is the easiest example here. Second Peter 3.9 says, God does not want everyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. God wants everyone to repent. Has everyone repented? Has everyone in the world received salvation? No. So we see that what God wants for people right there is not automatic. Salvation is available, but not automatic. You see, if, if we took it a step further, let's say we talked about finances. No sensible person would suggest that you could do whatever you want with your money and succeed financially in God's system. That you could gamble, spend a bunch on drugs and alcohol, save nothing, invest nothing, give or donate nothing, don't tithe, buy whatever you want, do whatever you want, and God is still going to bless your finances according to his sovereign will. Hopefully we would all regard that idea as nonsense. Rather, sensible Christians understand that if you tithe, if you give, if you generally honor God with your finances, if you're a good steward, then you're setting yourself up to operate in God's economic system, and this will lead to financial increase in your life. Financial blessing and God's empowerment to prosper already belong to you as a Christian. That's a wonderful truth to dive into another day. But those blessings already belong to you. However, you must operate in the kingdom of God's economic system to see that blessing manifest in your bank account. Similarly, divine healing and health already belong to you as a Christian. We're going to look at that hard today. But you must seek and release God's healing power correctly to receive the manifestations of healing and health in your body. In the same way there's a system to cooperate with God for financial increase, there is a system to cooperate with God to receive divine healing. There's also a system to receive salvation. That's Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. We confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts God raised him from the dead. 
You see, there are systems, there's ways to see things manifest in our lives. Very little with God is automatic. We must learn God's ways from God's word and then work within God's system to receive God's will for our lives. It is his sovereign will. It is what he decided that he wants for our lives. Yes, that is true. But we must go after it. We must obtain it the way the Bible tells us to obtain it. These things are available, but none of them just automatically show up because of God's sovereign will. None of these come as a result of God's answering one person's prayer, but not another, right? One person's prayer for finances, but not another. One person's prayer for healing, but not another. No, that's ridiculous. Never mind that no one would ever suggest that God selectively answers prayers for salvation, which is by far the greatest thing God will ever do for us, right? Like God says, okay, fine, you're saved. You Here's your heaven ticket. You come in, but no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave you without salvation for a little while. I'm going to teach you something. I don't want, I don't want you to have my blessings. I don't want you to be my righteousness. I don't want you to get saved just yet. I'm going to teach you something. I'm going to hold you off from this right now. You're, you're not ready yet or, you know, whatever. All of those things that we say when we feel like a healing prayer hasn't been answered, that God's working something out in us, that he wants us to wait, that he has a purpose, whatever. Nobody would ever dream about saying that God uh, wouldn't answer a salvation prayer for some of those reasons. No, that's ridiculous. We would never suggest that God selectively answers a salvation prayer for any reason. But we do it all the time with every other prayer, right? Rather than thinking, oh man, maybe I need to dig in a little, a little bit in this word and figure out how to receive healing just like I figured out how to receive salvation, just like I learned from somebody how to receive salvation. When, when the healing doesn't come, we just assume, oh, it wasn't God's will or God's got some purpose. Anyway, I'm starting to belabor the point a little bit, but you get the idea. There are Christians who believe that God heals but he only heals according to his sovereign will. And you never know whether that will includes you. You see, that is wrong. And uh, it's widely held belief, but wrong. The biblical truth is that in God's sovereign will, he wants everyone healed. And he has provided ways for everyone to receive divine healing. And this has resulted in many Christians being sick and dying young because they just haven't understood this. You see, some Christians, moving on, some Christians believe other things. There, you know, in the Christian world, there's all sorts of wacky beliefs about everything under the sun that are unbiblical. But these things we've discussed today so far, these are kind of the dominant arguments against healing. That either God doesn't care, won't do anything, healing miracles have passed away, God may heal, but you never know. I mean, those are kind of the big arguments against it. And then, you know, the last belief that a lot of Christians, including myself, share is, yes, absolutely, God wants you healed, and he will heal you if you do what the Bible says about healing. And look, in the two and a half years that my wife and I have been studying healing, seeing miracles, seeing other manifestations of divine healing in our home, uh, learning about healings that others have experienced, we have found beyond the shadow of any doubt 
that God wants every single person healed of every single ailment and he wants it right now. And if you need divine healing, if you're going through a, a battle in your flesh, that's some good news. We must stop questioning whether healing is God's will, which is what the devil has made the church do. Rather, we must know that anything short of perfect health is not God's will. I told you that divine healing belongs to you as a child of God. And now I want to explain that to you. That This is our second and final section for today. And I'm going to try to quickly explain a very, very important but somewhat complicated concept. And if this section presents ideas that are new to you, please consider listening to it a few times because this information can truly change your life and your entire approach to Christianity. See, when you become a Christian, the spirit that you had died and God personally gave birth to your new spirit. Excuse me one second. That is what it means to be born again. You see John chapter 3 and 1 John chapter 3 verse 9. Now you are literally God's biological child. It's not the biology of the flesh, but the biology of the spirit, which is more important. Now I'm going to hit you with some ideas. These set up our whole discussion today. As God's child, he now sees you as perfect. Hebrews 10, 14. You are now the very righteousness of God. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 21. You have complete access to God. Hebrews 4, 16. In fact, your newborn again spirit is both in your body and also united with the spirit of God in the throne room of heaven and seated in Christ at God's right hand. That's Ephesians 2, verses 6 and 13. In addition to all of that, you are now blessed with all of God's blessings. That's Ephesians 1.13. And all of God's promises are yours. That's 2 Corinthians 1.20. Now look, I know that paragraph was a mouthful, but you need to get those verses. You need to listen to those verses, read them for yourselves, meditate them. You see, Andrew Womack has a series called You've Already Got It. You've Already Got It. It's available for free on his website and on YouTube, I encourage you to listen to it several times because it's the most revelatory teaching that I've ever heard. And I want to highly recommend it to you. But I also just want to use that title as part of my explanation for healing. You've already got it. You're already perfect in God's eyes. You're already blessed. You're already empowered to prosper. You're already loved. You already have God's presence in you and in your life. You see, those things are true the moment we become a Christian. There are so many things that we pray for that, in fact, we already have. And I'm just, I feel like I should mention, he has another teaching series called A Better Way to Pray. Again, free on his website, free on his YouTube, A Better Way to Pray. You should really listen to that. It's going to change your life. But you see, we must understand that we don't need to pray for many things. Rather, we need to understand what we already have and use it. We need to activate and experience what God has already given us rather than ask God for it. See, you already have complete access to God's healing power. God has already completely released his healing will and healing power into your life. Maybe sickness attacks your body even as I write this or, or even as I speak this. 
But it doesn't have to be that way. God has already done more than enough to deal with any physical ailment you will ever have. But you must do your part. We'll talk about how to appropriately release the healing power of God later. But today, I'm going to focus on the fact that healing already belongs to you. I'm going to show you this from the Word so clearly that you will incorporate this into your mental framework. Because it needs to be there every single time you need to experience healing for yourself or for another. So let's first look at the ministry of Jesus and specifically a prophecy about Jesus from the book of Isaiah. In this prophecy, God has Isaiah many years before the life of Jesus talk about Jesus and his coming ministry. Let me say that again. So here we have Isaiah and God is leading Isaiah to talk about Jesus hundreds of years before Jesus was going to come into the earth. This is Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3 through 5. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. In this prophecy, Isaiah says that Jesus bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. People debate what those words mean and whether they apply to physical ailments, but the debate is unnecessary. The Hebrew word, which they translated griefs, appears 24 times in the Old Testament. 20 of those, the word is translated sick, sickness, or disease. Only in the books of Jeremiah and Isaiah did the translators use griefs. I'm not sure why, but the root word in Hebrew means weak, sick, or afflicted. Given this was translated to English over 400 years ago, it's possible the word grief also applied to physical matters back then, but it doesn't matter. The Bible clearly says that Jesus would bear our sickness. Jesus bore our sickness. That's the key idea here. In this prophecy, we learn that Jesus would bear certain things for us and also that Jesus would literally take punishment for us. Remember, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. His body would be wounded for our sins. However, because of his stripes, and that's referring to the stripes when they whipped him, we can be healed. And you may recall we saw part of this prophecy echoed in the book of Matthew in our teaching last week. Let's look at that again. This is Matthew chapter 8, 16 through 17. When evening came, they're just talking about uh, the ministry of Jesus. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. We don't even need to go to the Hebrew words to understand what the prophecy meant. See, we can just look at Matthew. Think about this for a second. Look at how Matthew talked about this prophecy. You see, 
it's quite possible that Matthew talked to Jesus about this very prophecy and what it meant. See Luke chapter 24, verse 45. They talked about these things. Jesus healing people's physical ailments fulfilled this prophecy. Note also that he translates the words griefs and sorrows as physical ailments, literally infirmities and diseases. So this prophecy from Isaiah, which Matthew discusses in the light of actually having seen Jesus's ministry. Remember, Matthew was one of the 12. He was there and he saw this ministry and he says this, the healing ministry of Jesus fulfilled this prophecy of Isaiah telling us that Jesus would take our physical ailments. Now let's note again the last part of the prophecy. With his stripes we are healed. The Apostle Peter, also one of the twelves, mentioned that part in one of his letters to the church. 1 Peter 2.24 Quote, He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. People also debate what the word healed means and whether it applies to physical healing. The Greek word translated healed appears 28 times in the Bible. Of the 27 other instances, 26 of those refer to physical healing and one refers to mental or emotional healing. None of these instances refer to any type of spiritual healing. That's what some people say, that by his stripes we were healed. Oh, that's not physical healing, that's spiritual healing. That's not a biblical statement. That should be dismissed. In addition to everything we've already talked about, and the fact that that word clearly is about physical healing, you see, we don't get healed spiritually. There's no spiritual healing. When we accept Christ, we die. Our spirits are so riddled with sin that we cannot be healed. We die and are born again. The healing prophecy, the healing, the, the Isaiah prophecy talks about and the healing Matthew and Peter mention is physical. This is all about physical healing. So maybe you're thinking, Byron, you convinced me last time that Jesus wants me healed. Why are we going through this again? Well, what we are talking about today is a very distinct issue, and it's very important that you understand them separately. Yes, Jesus clearly showed that God wants you healed, and you never need to wonder whether God wants you healed from any physical ailment. But the point we are making today is even better. Not only does Jesus want you healed, but in the eyes of God, Jesus took both your physical ailments and your physical punishment for your sins, and therefore, you are entitled to healing. In fact, healing belongs to you as a child of God because of Jesus' sacrifice for you. But not, see, not only does God want you healed, he's already given you healing and made eternal provision for your healing. Remember the first Passover feast. This is Exodus 12. The Israelites were told to kill a lamb, uh, excuse me, to kill and eat a lamb without blemish and to take the lamb's blood and spread it over the side and upper post of the house. 
the blood would cause, cause God as he killed the Egyptians. Remember, he went throughout all of Egypt killing the firstborn. But when he saw the blood of the lamb, he would pass over the homes of the Israelites. Of course, most of you probably know, this is symbolic for the ministry of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the sacrificial lamb without blemish. That's why we call him the Lamb of God. And because of his blood, God passes over us, will never punish us for our sins. But see, look, this is fascinating. Notice the big difference between the killing of the lamb and Jesus' death. God didn't tell the Israelites to torture the lamb. God didn't tell them to whip the lamb and beat it so badly that it no longer even looked like a lamb. But see, that's what happened to Jesus. Why? Jesus, yes, Jesus was taking all the punishment that would ever be needed for every sin in all of time. But the destruction of Jesus's physical body also provided for our legal entitlement to the healing power of God. That's why it says, by his stripes, we are healed. Because of what Jesus went through, including both his death and the extreme torture of his body, we can be healed. And in fact, healing belongs to us. Jesus will never be tortured again. In the same way that he shed his blood once to deal with all of our sins, he took all of that punishment once so we can experience every possible blessing from God now in this life, including perfect physical health. Here is the amazing truth. The God who heals, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, in the greatest act of healing that could ever be conceived, caused Jesus to bear in his body, as shown in the stripes and the torture, every sickness, disease, and physical ailment we would ever have. Jesus bore them all for us. Jesus' body was crushed for us. And now, just like with our salvation, because of what Jesus did, we can live in divine health. Last week, we noted that God did punish people with sickness in the Old Testament. That will never happen again. Yes, there is sickness in the world, there are things that cause injury, but God is not one of them. He is the God who heals. He's not the God who makes sick. And God never has and never will punish a Christian with sickness or a physical problem of any kind. In the same way, God will never punish a Christian with hell. Jesus took your sins and your sicknesses. You deal with sin by praying the salvation prayer and getting born again. You deal with medical issues by taking your God-given authority over the issues and releasing the healing power of God, just like Jesus and the apostles did. I'm now going to show you another way. So not only does healing belong to you because of what Jesus did and because by his stripes you were healed, healing also belongs to you because all of God's promises now belong to you, including all of the healing promises. Look, just so you have them handy, some of God's healing promises, other than the statement by Jesus stripes you were healed, which is probably the most powerful, but other of God's healing promises would be Exodus 23, verses 25 through 26, 
James 5, verses 14 through 15, Psalms 103, 2 through 3, Jeremiah 30, verse 17, and Mark 16, 15 through 18. I encourage you to have those handy, look those up, especially if you're in a place where you need healing right now. You've probably heard that the Bible contains many promises for God's people. There are promises for every area of life, promises that you can live the best human existence possible, even in this world with all of its problems. That's a complicated idea, but to keep it simple, there are promises that cover health, family, finances, fulfillment, many peace, and excuse me, mental peace, and many other areas. In the past, whether someone experienced those promises depended uh, on their degree of obedience to the law. That's how it worked in the Old Testament. You know, you obey the law, you experience the blessings. However, for Christians, Jesus obtained, excuse me, obeyed the law perfectly and obtained all the promises. Jesus obeyed the law perfectly and obtained all the promises. Now, whether we experience the promises depends on our relationship with Jesus Christ and our faith in the promises. 2 Corinthians one twenty, quote, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God, end quote. As a Christian in Christ, when you go to God for one of his promises, God always answers you yes. That is the key every single time. The question is never your entitlement to the promises or God's desire for you to have it. Much of the church world, while knowing that verse, thinks we need to beg God for those promises or earn them or that they're conditioned on our behavior. We could never earn God's amazing promises and begging God won't work either. Jesus earned them. In Christ, we are entitled to them now. And in fact, they are our inheritance. Romans chapter 4, verses 13 through 16. Please spend time in Romans chapter 4. I quote, For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through faith, or through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, that means if you inherit God according to your works, if you, if you inherit from God according to your works, then faith is made void and the promise made of none effect because the law works wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. <laughs> Keep that in mind because there's no law for you now. There's no transgression for you anymore. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, which is the father of us all. There's a lot there. I'm going to explain it. But one another verse real quick. Galatians 4, 6 through 7, quote, And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. 
I suppose it's tr- it's tough to truly convey these ideas just by looking at a couple of verses. But let's try. First, again, you must recognize that you are God's child now. While the Bible talks about adoption, it's not adoption as we think about, you know, child by law, child on, child on paper. That's not biblical adoption. When we become God's child, we truly become God's child in every sense being born directly from his spirit. Now, as his child, you are his heir, a joint heir with Christ. But unlike inheritance in the natural, we aren't waiting for God to die to inherit. You know, Jesus died and his death opened the way for us to become God's children. Now that we are God's children, our inheritance is freely available to us. Our inheritance includes all of God's promises. Note Hebrews 6.12, which also says the promises are our inheritance. I quote, That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, just so you know, biblical patience really means standing in faith over a long period of time. Faith is the key, but sometimes we have to stand and rest in faith to see those promises manifest. Romans chapter 4 is extremely important and should be studied. So, so we are God's children, we are his heirs, and we inherit the promises. Just like God made those promises to Abraham. He didn't earn the promises according to the law. He obtained the promise through faith. Similarly, the promises are given to us as an act of God's grace and we inherit them through faith. Furthermore, God designed this system specifically so, and I quote, and this this is a wonderful, wonderful uh, quote, the promise might be sure to all the seed, end quote. That was from the quote from Romans 4. To put it another way, listen, God designed the grace and faith system so that nothing would stand in our way of obtaining the promises. So nothing, so that the promise might be sure. This whole system God designed where he gives us everything by grace and we just need to use our faith. The whole system was designed so that we could absolutely see God's promises show up in our lives. God wants us to live in the reality of his promise. Every promise from God to his people that you find in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, anywhere, people say there are thousands of them, every one of those promises is now yours, including all the healing promises. You are God's child, and all of his promises are yours. They are your inheritance. They are given to you as an act of God's grace. Uh, Other than faith, they're unconditional. You could never earn them, even if you tried. Many people approach God for healing or the other promises like they would approach a banker for an unsecured loan. Look, this is a concept from Pastor Greg Moore that I really like. Sorry, my car's beeping. Yes, I'm doing this in the car because I had a few minutes. Again, many people 
approach God for healing like they would approach a banker for an unsecured loan. Sorry to repeat myself. When you go for an unsecured loan, you ask the banker to analyze your credit and your assets and decide whether you're worthy of that loan. We must stop approaching that God that way. When you approach God on the basis of his promises, there's no maybe, there's no later. The, the only thing he analyzes about you is whether you are a Christian. And if you're a Christian, there is only yes and amen. If God refused to give you something that he has already promised, that would be like a bank refusing to give you money that you have on deposit. The promises already belong to you. Healing belongs to you. In the same way, you need to approach the bank according to their system to take what you've deposited, right? Yeah, you can't just walk in there and demand your money. You got to show them your uh, card or give them your pin or whatever. You have to approach God according to his system to receive the manifestation of your promises. You got to be a Christian to be the true heir of these promises and you got to come in faith. It's just that simple. You see, in God's sovereign will, he has completely released his healing power to, to everyone, right? That's what he wanted. That's what he did. But to truly step into these promises, we have to receive the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ and then stand in faith for the promises. Next week, we will discuss the concept of faith. We're going to take a hard look at true biblical faith and it will open your understanding of faith like never before. Understanding biblical faith is a master key to living in all of God's promises, including healing. People argue against God's power and desire to heal, but none of those arguments agree with the Bible. We're wrapping it up now. Sure, lots of people don't believe the Bible, but who cares what they think? I appreciate you may listen to a doctor for a diagnosis or a treatment suggestion, but they don't decide whether God wants you healed. They don't decide God's will for your healing. Similarly, don't listen to any Christians who, who their beliefs disagree with God's word. God wants you healed. That's the biblical truth. And in fact, in the greatest act for your healing that could ever be conceived, God put every sickness and every physical punishment on Jesus' body as part of his sacrificial death. Because of Jesus' stripes, physical healing belongs to you. And you don't ever have to endure physical ailments again. Jesus sacrificed his body so you can live in divine health. If that wasn't enough, if everything we've already been through wasn't enough, God has given you numerous promises covering every area of your life, including your physical health. God has already given you the promises as an act of grace. The promises are your inheritance and only require faith for their manifestation. Look, I understand if someone looks at the world, they won't believe God wants everyone healed or that God already provided healing for all the Christians. Sickness and disease fill the earth, especially with COVID. But the truth is, an honest look at the Bible shows God's will clearly. An honest look at the Bible also shows that healing belongs to Christians. No Christian should be sick. If a Christian gets attacked with a physical problem, the Bible tells us what to do. Attacks may come, but we can deal with them, and the power of God will restore our bodies to perfect physical health. 
exactly what God wants. As my wife and I studied God's word for healing for ourselves, and we listened to people that God directed us to by his spirit, we learned these truths. These truths about healing were better than anything we'd ever been taught. Yes, we believed God wanted Christians healed, but we didn't know that healing already belonged to us. We didn't understand his healing power was universally available, even to non-Christians. We didn't understand how Jesus had truly provided the sacrifice both for our salvation and our his healing. We didn't understand biblical faith. We didn't understand how to see God's healing power flow into the natural realm. Now, I'm embarrassed to admit these, but, but at least we've got them now. And I told my wife one day in the middle of her healing journey that we were coming out of that situation with great spoil. And that spoil would be understanding how healing works so we could share it with others. I'm glad I can share it with you now. And I pray you stick with us as we continue for the next few weeks. We're going to understand faith on another level. And you're going to understand how to see healing manifest over every kind of physical ailment. Thank you and God bless you.